Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm your host, journalist Holly Rubenstein, and today is a Travel Diaries first. Welcome to the Travel Diaries listener special, where you, my amazing listeners, are this week's special guests. I've interviewed many a star over the past seven seasons, but the real stars have been you, the listeners. Your support has allowed the podcast to grow as quickly as it has. I'm so incredibly grateful. So it only felt right that I turned the tables and the microphone back onto you to tap into your collective wisdom and travel experiences as you answer the seven chapters of The Travel Diaries. The response has been amazing, beyond my wildest expectations. If I'd used every clip you sent into this episode, it would be hours long. So I'm so sorry to those whose clips I didn't include today, but I'm definitely planning on doing another in the future, and I'll try and use as many as possible then. And what is amazing is that I knew that we'd travel the world on this episode and cover you know, destinations from all across the globe. But what I genuinely didn't expect was to hear from listeners all across the globe as well. Not only is every region in the UK and Ireland covered in abundance, but we'll hear from listeners in New Zealand and Slovenia in the process too, which is just really amazing. We have a lot of ground to cover today. So from China to Kerala, from Costa Rica to the Amazon rainforest, let's buckle up our seatbelts and head off on the first ever Travel Diaries listener special. Right, we're getting started right at the beginning. Chapter one, your earliest childhood travel memories. First up, we have Tona, now from Surrey, England, but who grew up in Sweden. And she recounts the incredibly rare experience of traveling to China in the late 70s, just before it opened its borders to Western countries. And then we have a very different experience from Katya, who grew up in Slovenia, which had just declared independence from the communist rule of Yugoslavia. And she travels west and experiences the rich history and culture of Paris and the wider delights of southern France. These two are quite momentous as both of them travel to places that were out of reach for those around them at the time. The world is easier and more accessible to explore today than ever. So experiencing places for the first time feels really rare and it's great to hear how impactful that experience was both for Tona and Katya. So let's hear from them now. Hi Holly, it's Tona here, chiropractor in Milford, Surrey. When I was 13, my dad, who was a professor in physics, had the opportunity to be interviewed by the Chinese consulate and to ask him if he could go to China because they were opening up for knowledge from abroad. When he came home and told me about it, I said, please, Dad, can I come with you instead of my mum? And I had this amazing opportunity to go to China for two weeks as a 13-year-old, and this was in 1979, before they opened up the sort of the doors for foreigners to come. So he spent most of that time teaching, and I had this little guide called the Little Pine in a sort of Chinese, and she was fantastic. And then when he was free, we were doing trips around. And it was an incredible time to go around, A, as a 13-year-old, and then also at the time when they weren't that used to people with sort of lighter lighter hair and, um, and, and lighter skin in a way. And they would come up to me to my uh, and, and, and pinch my arms and go, look, golden hair. But I had this opportunity to go to a couple of schools in Beijing where I was telling them and I was doing the old-fashioned slideshow about Sweden. And, and this was 
than my, you know, um, second language. Singing the Swedish anthem and listening to them singing their anthem and so on. And then traveling up to the Great Wall of China, which was incredible. And it wasn't so built up, which I imagine it is now. And then to the Summer Palace, where this amazing boat in, in marble um, in the middle of this lake. And then to Fragrance Hill, and then obviously the Forbidden City in the middle of Beijing. It was the most incredible journey, and I felt so very grateful. We also traveled down to a place called Hangzhou, which is further south, sort of at the level with Shanghai. And there they have this lake where they they put stones and rocks in and leave them there for 100 years. And when they then take them out, because the water is, is um, full of bicarbonate so- soda, it changes them into this sort of like incredible magical shape. So that was an amazing holiday. My earliest travel memory is a trip to France together with my family as I was seven years old. Uh, It was summer 97 and we attended the World Youth Day that was taking place in Paris and also spread around France, particularly uh, in the southern part. Now, my family has never been particularly religious, but I suppose that this was the easiest or maybe even the only way for my family at the time to be able to travel to France. And what a trip it was. It was a bus ride from Slovenia, where I grew up, to Paris first, then uh, as well towards the south from France. And we either were camping or staying with the local families. So it was really a very unique experience. Now, there is this one memory that I recall super clearly and that I would like to share which is that when we were in Aix-en-Provence, so in the south of France, we stayed with this family of, I think, four or five kids. And they had a swimming pool. It was summer, so it was really warm. So the swimming pool was the highlight for us, the kids. However, we, uh, so my family, we didn't speak French and the French family didn't speak English particularly neither. So... I can recall very clearly that the only word that the kids we would be using among each other was excuse me as we were jumping from the side of the pool inside the water. We wanted to make sure that no one was there as someone jumped in, right? To to be safe and everything. So we would literally be screaming for a couple of hours, excuse me, excuse me, as we were jumping into the water. And this is a memory I will never forget. Little did I know at the time that a little over 10 years later, I would move to France to study there, start working there, meet my husband. Uh, So I kind of like to hope that this first trip abroad that I can recall had something to do with the way how my life unfolded then until now, even though I'm not uh, living in France anymore. Moving on to chapter two, and that is the first place that you fell in love with. That very first wondrous travel experience often sets the tone for subsequent life and travel and what you look for in holidays. So it's no surprise that three of my listeners cover three classic travel experiences. First up, the sea. 
As Emma from Edinburgh, Scotland recounts travelling to the French Riviera. Then from the sea to the land, we go up into the mountains as Joe from Somerset goes back to his time in the Austrian Alps. And then lastly, we explore the impact of a deeply foreign culture as Emma from London brings to life the wonder of Kerala, a state in the southern tip of India. Hi, Holly. My name's Emma. And the first place that I fell in love with is a French fishing village called Villefranche-sur-Mer in the south of France, just along the coast from Nice. The main things that captured me were the the turquoise waters of its harbour and the harbour is lined by the pastel-coloured facades of the uh, apartments and at the bottom of the apartments there's uh, bistros that spill out onto the pavements and you can just sit and have an aperitif watching the, the little fishing boats bobbing up and down on the water with the sun setting over the peninsula of Cap Ferrat in the background. And there's an old-fashioned, unpretentious town square with, again, little restaurants spilling out onto it where I've had the best salad niçoise that I've ever tasted and Italians flock across the border on a Sunday to try the mules and frites. And it's just one of the, the most magical um, little towns. Hi, Holly. The first place I fell in love with was on a family holiday to Austria. We stayed in a beautiful town called Zellamsee, and the hotel we stayed at was the Hotel Trollerhof in Zellamsee. As I say, very, very beautiful town with spectacular uh, scenery of an alpine views and mountains overlooking the lake. On that trip, we also took a day visiting the picturesque city of Salzburg and also a side day trip to the Cremel Falls. To this day, it's still probably one of my favourite family holidays, and it's a place which, which has taken my, my heart, and I hope to revisit the, the country again in the not-too-distant future when, when time per- permits. Hi Holly, I'm really excited about having the opportunity to tell you about my travel diaries and I'm going to tell you about the first place that I fell in love with and that, without a doubt, is India. So I first visited India when I was a student uh, and I volunteered in a hospital in Kerala which is in the south west of the country and it really was an amazing experience amazing opportunity and from the moment we landed it was like visiting another world and it was the first time i've been to asia asia but india really is something special the heat the noise the dust the chaos the smells it's it's completely overwhelming but in a brilliant way we stayed just outside the hospital grounds in the hostel or a kind of guest house for the hospital and it cost a pound a night Um, and yes it did get some did take some getting used to the rustic nature of this but um those cold showers really were a welcome welcome treat after a busy day in the hospital we would spend uh breakfast eating tropical fruits from the gentleman that sold um had his fruit stand in the at the entrance of the hospital and there were just incredible fruits that most of which i'd never seen or heard of never mind tried and then huge variety of bananas he had kept us more than entertained for six weeks in the evenings we experienced uh, or tasted our way around the south indian uh, menu or the south indian food so different from what we would normally expect in the uk which is predominantly north indian cuisine 
And the weekends, we had the opportunity to explore Kerala, which is a beautiful state. We would go shopping in Cochin, which is the capital, um, go to the cinema and hope there were subtitles. We went to Munar, which is a tea plantation town in the Western Ghats, which is beautiful um, and very cool compared to the kind of dust and heat of the city. We spent an interesting night at an ashram. We spent um, a couple of days on a houseboat exploring the beautiful, calming backwaters of Kerala. And we also spent many an uh, afternoon in the glorious, uh, at that point, untouched beaches on the Arabian Sea, which were just phenomenal. Next up is chapter three, the place where you learnt the most about yourself. And there's a common theme with this one with my guests, and that is... A trip where they've had the actual time and space for introspection, time to really stop and think and reflect. More often than not, that comes on a solo travel experience. And Aoife from Ireland has her own tale of travelling to Greece on her own, something I always deeply admire about people having the courage to travel by themselves. And she's learning how to become comfortable in her own company. And if you're looking for more information on Greece, I have a destination special episode coming up in a couple of weeks, so you'll get all the top tips there. The place I learned most about myself was Karditsa in Greece. I had finished college and gone to Greece teaching English as a foreign language. I had made my way through various airports and train stations to get to Karditsa, which was in the middle of rural Greece. There I learned to be content and happy in my own company. I didn't need many people around me and I could pass the way my spare time just traveling around, learning Greek and getting to know some of the locals. It was a great place to travel from also, and I don't think many people would see that part of Greece too often, um, pumping for the islands instead. I got to go to Thessaloniki, to Athens, to Skiathos, Corfu, um, and little towns and villages in that area, and really got an understanding of what life, everyday life was like in Greece. So Kerditsa in Greece was the place I learned most about myself. Chapter four, the big one. And we have four listeners from two schools of thought on what makes an all-time favourite destination. The first two choose a place they just keep going back to again and again, each time discovering something new and getting further under its skin. It's no surprise that we're heading to Italy and France then. Tracy from Wexford and Ireland talks us through her lifetime of Italian adventures. And then Jen from Belfast in Northern Ireland tells us a wonderfully romantic story about her love affair with the city of Nice on the Côte d'Azur. Hi Holly, I absolutely love your travel podcast. I live for it when it comes out to listen to each episode each week. Um, in relation to adding my little clip to it, if it comes to it, it will be on my all-time favourite destination, um, which would be Italy. I absolutely love everything about Italy. The people, the food, the wine, um, the culture and just the place itself. It's so beautiful. Um, my favourite part of Italy, I thought was the Amalfi Coast until I went to Puglia last October. I mean, it's just so authentic and rustic and just the people like, I mean, the nanas out on in the mornings washing their little doorsteps and having a cup of coffee chatting to us even though they spoke only Italian. They still we still managed to communicate and. Um, 
my favourite part of Puglia was Ostuni. It's known as the Whitewash City. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful town, cobblestone streets, really nice restaurants. And um, my favourite restaurant there was a place called Osteria del Tempo Perso. It's set in a cave and it's absolutely beautiful. If I was to go back to Puglia, I would go straight back to that restaurant in Ostuni. It's a real gem. Thanks a million. Bye. Hi Holly, here is my account of our all-time favourite destination. My husband and I took a weekend break in Nice back a few years ago and he proposed on the steps of Monaco Palace. That evening, absolutely buzzing, we went to the Latin Quarter in Nice and had a meal in an authentic Cuban salsa bar called La Havana. When dinner had finished, an amazing Cuban salsa band started playing and the whole place got up and started dancing the night away. It was like being transported to Cuba, where we danced until our feet were sore. The atmosphere was truly electric, just magical, and an experience I will never forget. Since then, we have tried to return to the south of France and visited the exact same place. It is now one of our favourites. I love Nice for its versatility and eve of access to the beautiful Côte d'Azur, for exploring and its wonderful selection of hotels too. And we just can't wait to Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Go back. 
So you've heard the case for repeat destinations. Now it's the turn of the one-off life-changing experience. And what better than the magic of wildlife in its natural habitat? First up, the Amazon. Charlotte from New Zealand recounts how a trip to the rainforest left such a deep impression. So much so that it sounds like she recorded her clip in a rainforest to pay homage to that. And then we have Emma from Worcestershire in England promoting the enduring impact that an African safari can leave on you as she does an incredible job extolling the virtues of all that Kenya has to offer. So my favourite travel memory is going to the Amazon rainforest. I'd always wanted to go to the Amazon. Being a veterinarian, uh, loving animals, it had always been a dream of mine. Um, And in 2016, I got the chance to go with one of my best friends. We went in through Ecuador, which has a very tiny section of the rainforest, but very diverse. And it was just the most amazing experience I've ever had. Um, We were lucky enough to stay in a beautiful lodge called La Salva. Um, We just happened to (laughs) strike it lucky and get there. Staying in the honeymoon suite, (laughs) Um, nothing like a gal's trip um, in the honeymoon suite. And the just arriving there, the heat and the sounds of all the insects and animals and the colours, the rich greens, every different shade of green you could ever imagine, um, and browns. Taking a two-hour trip upriver to get into where we were staying for five days. And on the first day, seeing a a harpy eagle, which they hadn't seen for six months, was pretty special. Being woken up by howler monkeys in the morning and seeing the most amazing... Um, bird life all the plants and pops of color with flowers and one day we went for a nature walk and came across a herd of around about 40 we think peccaries um little bush pigs not so little when they're all marching along in a group like that we tracked them for about an hour and and did get to see them as well, which was pretty special. Needless to say, I did not want to be in the way of them um, as they carried on their way. So yeah, that would be one of my most favourite travel memories. Hi Holly, so I'm going to tell you about my all-time favourite destination, which is Kenya. It holds a special place for me as I chose it for our honeymoon Um, a few years back and it was absolutely amazing. I was originally inspired to go to Kenya uh, after reading An African Love Story by Daphne Sheldrick and in her memoir she portrays this vivid picture of Africa, its beauty, its people and of course the animals, in particular the elephant. Um, And she had me mesmerised and I was dying to go. So in the end, we spent about two weeks exploring the national parks with our guide and we were blown away by the country's biodiversity as each place, each national park we went to was totally different. Um, When you think of Kenya, you automatically think of like the Maasai Mara and Amboseli with these huge savannas and animals roaming around, but that's only half of it. We were lucky enough to travel up to Samburu, which is one of my favourite places, and it's so arid and so dry and so orange that it's 
it's amazing and it's staggering that some of these animals survive in their the highest or driest part of the season. Um, our guide did promise us though that it completely transforms into this lush green um, place when the rains come but we've yet to go back there at that time of year. Um, we also went to like the Great Rift Valley, Lake Nakaru, the Aberdare Mountains and it's just amazing to see such diversity um, across the country. Everything was just so different from the last place we went to. We went to Olpegeta and we were lucky enough to see Sedan who was the last male northern white rhino on the planet along with Najin and Fatu, um, the two females that are left. We found this, or I found this actually, particularly sad because they're about to face extinction. There's three of them or two of them left now on the planet. My favourite place, however, and this has got to be a must for anybody that goes to Kenya, is to visit the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust in Nairobi, which was actually founded by Daphne Sheldrick in 1977. And it's one of the most amazing places I've ever been. They rescue and rehabilitate baby elephants. Although it's sad that they've been orphaned, the work that Daphne and her team do, or Angela and her team do actually, is outstanding. Like, it must be so rewarding and amazing to then reintegrate these animals back into the wild and to see them become mothers or sire new young. Like, it's absolutely amazing. If that sold you on Kenya, why not go back to my magical Kenya destination special episode where we cover in finer detail a lot of the destinations that Emma loves so much. I've also got destination specials on both France and Italy for those inspired by Tracy and Jen too. Chapter five are your hidden gems and the most popular chapter in terms of your answers. First up, we go to a country that so many people see as a hidden gem in its own right, Costa Rica. And Manny from Birmingham has a real hidden gem within a hidden gem as he tells us about a small village of just 400 people in the mountainous region of Costa Rica, blazing its own trail for sustainable ecotourism. Hi there, Holly. How's it going? This is Manny. I'm a big fan of the show. I listen to it regularly whenever one is posted up. So here goes. It's a place in Costa Rica and it's called San Gerardo de Rivas. Now, people who do know about this place, it's a sleepy village. And I think if people do know about this place, they know about it because they've gone there to hike up Costa Rica's highest mountain, which is Quiero Chiripo. Uh, it is a proper mountain. It's 3,820 metres high. You, you would start the hike from about 1,600 metres above sea level. So serious climbing, 2.1 kilometres straight up. And I did that myself and it was really spectacular. You can do it over the course of a day and a night. Some hardcore people, they, also, they actually start really early in one day and they do it all in one day. Um, but I didn't do that. And if you get to the top and you have a clear day, apparently you're able to see right out to the Caribbean coast to the east and to the west. You can see the Pacific coast and beyond. I had clouds my day, but it was still spectacular. There are loads of reasons to go to San Gerardo de Rivas. Um, it has kind of a bit of an alpine village feel to it, uh, which is really it does add to the charm of the place. 
So you're able to kind of indulge in some geothermal hot springs that are there, they're naturally occurring. It has like an artisanal produce and bakery community here as well. So because it has some uh, some farm animals, there will be artisanal cheeses and baked goods. They grow a lot of fruit and vegetables. There are coffee plantations, so you can drink coffee from the beans that are grown there as well, which really, really adds to that kind of experience of being able to enjoy produce from the location that you're actually based in. The other reason to go there is a fabulous sort of project initiative um, called the Cloudbridge Nature Reserve. Now, this is privately owned land, which was bought up from cattle rearing and farming. And they've been undergoing a huge rewilding project in that area. So they've rewilded so much of the former ranches that were in that part of Costa Rica, uh, growing native species of plants and trees. Lots of wildlife have been reintroduced there as well, quite naturally. But you're in a cloud forest, which really is quite spectacular. You can go hiking in there. There's some beautiful trails, discover the waterfalls and the rivers. It's really quite spectacular, as I said. And you get that moody sort of dramatic kind of atmosphere of being in a cloud forest too. Next, we're going to continue the theme of off the beaten track hidden gems, focusing on beaches. First off, Charlie from the Wirral in England uncovers an unmissable beach in Antigua, only accessible through a hike. I've looked it up myself. It looks incredible. And after Charlie, we hear from Shireen from Wales, who takes us off the Welsh coast to the Isle of Anglesey and Red Wharf Bay. Equally impressive from the Googling I did, but perhaps less tropical in weather. Hello, my name's Charlie and I'm going to be answering the hidden gem question. They say that Antigua has 365 beaches, one for every day of the year. And although the majority of people head to the west coast for the typically Caribbean white sandy beaches with crystal clear seas, my hidden gem is a little place on the south coast of Antigua called Rendezvous Bay. It's completely unreachable by car and it's accessed by around a 40 minute hike with sweeping views of the glistening sea and surrounding mountains. As you arrive through a small canopy of trees, you're greeted by an untouched sweeping bay with a beautiful white sand beach where the crashing waves of the Atlantic Ocean meet the calmness of the Caribbean Sea. A spot of tranquility on such a beautiful Caribbean island. I'm Shireen from Wales. I write the Happy Days Travel blog. Um, I'm answering the chapter of My Hidden Gem. So My Hidden Gem is located on the Isle of Anglesey in North Wales. So firstly, the must-visit place on Anglesey is which is the longest Welsh place name, if you didn't know. And it's also the second longest place name in the world. The longest is in the Maori language found in New Zealand, which I'm not going to attempt. Um, So once you've had a picture at that train station name, you drive 15 minutes north to the coast of the Irish Sea. And there's a hidden gem 
called Red Wharf Bay. It's a small village flanked by sand dunes and salt marshes and it's a great spot to visit for an evening walk and beautiful sunset where you can sit and watch the boats and the fishermen and the dog walkers. Um, but there's also a great restaurant on the waterfront called The Boathouse and it has lovely outdoor seating where you can enjoy your food under a gazebo looking out to the water and they serve deliciously fresh seafood dishes uh, including an amazing seafood chowder that will definitely reconnect you with the land and warm your insides because when I went there it was absolutely raining like mad outside and that seafood chowder was great to have. So yeah, don't miss this gem for your UK staycation. Chapter six is your worst travel experience. And I didn't hear from any of you on this one, but that's okay. We want to keep this episode a positive one. So we're going to skip on to our final chapter, chapter seven. And that's a destination at the top of your travel bucket list. And this one has a really poignant feel to it because the pandemic has wreaked carnage on so much of our lives. And for so many, it's disrupted grand bucket list travel plans. First up, Ellie from East Sussex takes us over the Atlantic to the Canadian city of Toronto. And to finish up, we're joined by Aaron from South Wales, who tells us about his grand plan to travel to Japan that's been pushed back because of COVID a number of times. So the destination at the top of my travel bucket list would have to be Toronto. I moved there with my boyfriend right before the pandemic hit and we planned to be there for one to two years, just living, working and enjoying the city. But we lasted a grand total of two weeks before making the decision to fly back to the UK because we just didn't know how bad things were going to get, which was heartbreaking. Um, Toronto is the first place outside of the UK that's really felt like home to me. And I've always dreamt of living in New York, but it just felt like a much calmer version and friendlier and just not as fast paced. I love the creativity and the diversity of the city as well. And I just already cannot wait to go back. Right, okay, a country uh, I don't feel is high enough on other people's travel lists and it's been number one on mine for so long, as long as I can remember. Um, and that is Japan. Uh, I think a lot of uh, people, when they plan big trips, tend to look more west to the US, your LA's, your New York's. And I think Japan uh, tends to get overlooked. It's a country with such contrasting sides from Tokyo, sprawling metropolis, obviously very futuristic city. You've got these high-rise buildings, neon lights, and yet you go down below You've got these little tiny back alley boozers, uh, the tuck shops all crammed into little nooks and crannies below. And it seems very, very fascinating to me. I've, I've always wanted to go there. You've got to look at the other side uh, then, Kyoto. Very traditional sort of looking buildings. You've then got the traditions with the, the geishas, uh, the beauty then with the cherry blossoms. Hakone, another area, all the areas around Mount Fuji. Um, great natural beauty. I was due to fly out on a Friday and I believe it was the Monday or Tuesday before the UK went to full lockdown. Uh, if I'd gone the Friday before that, I would have been stuck in Japan. Um, I think maybe I was a bit naive thinking I could still go. Uh, I managed to get masks off friends 
and uh, hand gels and I was still fully determined to go but obviously that didn't happen I did try again March 2021 um, unfortunately things didn't work out again uh, so I've given it a gap and maybe 2023 will be the year I do hope that both Ellie and Aaron get to their bucket list destinations as soon as possible. And all of you who've had plans disrupted and trips of a lifetime cancelled are able to get those plans back in shape in the coming months and years as we get back on track. Well, that is a wrap on the listeners special today. I can't thank you, my listeners, enough again. What an amazing experience to hear from so many of you from around the world. You know, on my uh, podcast app, I can see the numbers of listeners in different countries and it's really cool to know that there are people listening all over the world but to actually hear from you is a different thing altogether and I can't wait to get started on the next one so if listening to this it made you think about what your answers to your travel diaries might be then make a little mental note of it and keep an eye out for when I'm making the next listener special episode Thanks so much for listening today. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe or if you're using Apple Podcasts to hit follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. If you're loving the podcast, it would be amazing if you could take a minute to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. To find out who's joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. And if you can't wait till then, remember there's six seasons you can catch up on. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. And I'll be back next week. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.